TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Vikings fans, get it off your chest and get it on the air. Your comments, questions, your thoughts. Tweet us at Score North or call 651-646-8255. This is Vikings Vet Line. There it is indeed. Cousins over the top for the rushing touchdown. And the Minnesota Vikings in the first half have rushed for over 120 yards. You know, when I first got here, this is a team you had to beat every every time in order to get to the top of the division. So I don't think that's changed any, but it's always been a, I think I've had to learn throughout the six years or whatever, you know, how big that the fans treat this. And But we, um, you know, we always pretty much approach it the same way that, you know, they're a really good football team. In order for us to do what we have to do, we need to beat them. That's right, Vikings vent line. Zolgad, Danny Cunningham, Manny Hill producing, Declan Goff running all of our various streams on which you're seeing me. And keep in mind, as you do see me, the camera adds 10 pounds. Not my fault. TC, oh, come on. It adds 10 pounds. Not that camera. That camera's too small. Nah, be quiet, both of you. It adds 10 pounds. TCL. You're wearing black, though, Judd. That helps. It's it, Well, I'm trying. It's slimming. I'm offsetting <laughs> the 10 pounds. TCL Broadcast Studios. Of course, uh, we have Vikings Vent Line on Sundays after games. That involves you. This show does as well. 651-646-8255. 651-646-8255 if you would like to chime in. Also, anytime during the show, you can chime in via the phone lines and or via Twitter. At Real D Cunningham, at Jay Zolgad, J-Z-U-L-G-A-D, at Score North is the station a Twitter account. We're going to get to our question of the day here uh, to start the show, Danny, in one second. But let's get to the breaking news that we have that we just learned from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network moments ago. Why don't you go ahead and give us that breaking news, Danny? So, uh, newly acquired wide receiver Josh Doxson, who is a 2016 first-round draft pick, taking one pick ahead of Laquan Treadwell, who's been shipped out of town, has been placed on injured reserve with a hamstring injury. He has played exactly zero snaps for the Vikings, but he's headed to IR. Eligible to return, though. Potentially, yes. So, he, he could miss what? Presumably eight, I think it's eight games, is nine, that correct? Eight I or nine games? nine weeks. Somehow you just get the feeling that the Vikings 2016 first-round pick, especially if it involved a receiver, was not meant to work out, don't you? Certainly feels that way. It just feels like the football gods are saying, you know that 2016 first-round pick? No, no, no. You can try Laquan. You can try Josh. You can try whoever you 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 want. uh, Michael Thomas would have been nice, though. Third round, right? I thought he was second round. Yeah, second second round. Yeah, second round. So to go back on this, too, this also... um, this started, I guess, uh, yesterday when the Vikings injury report was issued for the first time for a Packer Week. Danny, Josh Doxson showed up. Some uh, now he was inactive on Sunday, and we all thought that that was probably because of the fact that he had just been picked up and didn't know the system yet. Sure, he was listed on the injury report on a Wednesday afternoon as limited in practice with a hamstring. But now we find out that it's uh, it's actually serious, and he is on IR. All right, let's get to it. The Vikings. Slash Packers question of the day. You presented it, so you go ahead, Danny. So today what we're asking is with this Sunday's game game coming up in Green Bay between the Vikings and the Packers, looking at this game, which Packers player other than Aaron Rodgers should worry the Vikings the most? Pretty straightforward question. Obviously, number 12 in green and gold is going to be the number one priority for the Vikings, as he should be. He's one of the best quarterbacks in football, if not the best. But other than that, who worries you the most? Tweet your answers at Real D Cunningham, at Jay Zolgat, at Score North on Twitter. We'll read them. Got some already that have been coming in. Uh, 
Devonte Adams, but that kind of go hand that goes hand in hand with uh, with Rogers. Kevin said Joe Phillips and Josh both said Kenny Clark. Alex said Zadarius Smith, another another nomination for Devonte Adams. So yeah, quite a few different things coming in so far. But if you want to jump in the conversation, that's at Real D Cunningham on Twitter at Jay Zolgat at Score North. And also, if if you would like to join via the phone line, if you can six five one six four six eight two five five. Do you want me to start? Start. All right. I agree with the people that said nose tackle Kenny Clark. Yeah. And here's why. Kirk Cousins is going to have to throw more than 10 times. Uh, the, the interior of that Packer line, I think, is pretty doggone good. Uh, Kenny Clark is very good. Kenny Clark against the uh, Chicago Bears in the Thursday night opener a week and a half ago now or so, had or a, a week ago, I should say, exactly, had half a sack against the Bears. Over the past two years, Clark, who was, by the way, the 27th pick in 2016, so you could have had him instead of Laquan Treadwell, mm-hmm. uh, has 10.5 sacks over the past two years. Kenny Clark also could be going up against a Vikings offensive line, don't know this for sure, but that I guess has a chance of not having starting left guard Pat Elfline, who did not practice on Wednesday because of a knee problem. The player behind Pat Elfline is a gentleman by the name of Dakota Dozier, who I'm willing to bet if he has to make his first start, it's going to be tough. Pat Elfline, conversely, in Game 1 did not play well, at least in the passing game, against the uh, Falcons. So Kenny Clark, is, as we talk about the fact that Cousins might have to pass more, as we talk about the fact that this uh, Packer defense, especially in Lambeau, is going to give you a much more difficult test than the uh, than the Falcons did in U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. Yep. This is the guy that I think might be a pain in the arse, shall we say. Sir, I, it's hard to disagree with that for the sake of discussion. I'll go somewhere else with mine. And Good. mine was another one that was named by somebody, but it's Devontae Adams. And that does go hand-in-hand hand with Aaron Rodgers, and I believe a couple people did write in Devontae Adams. But he's obviously their number one offensive weapon. He's also played well against the Vikings in his recent matchups. His last four games against Minnesota. So the Vikings win last year, the tie, and when they split the year before, he's caught a touchdown pass in all four of those games. He's been someone that's been able to routinely find the end zone against Minnesota, and that's something the Vikings are going to have to try and prevent as best they can. What do you think, as far as as that goes, is he worthy of even uh, considering to be a matchup type of guy, Devontae, or do you just allow the cornerback on his side to take him? I, I do think that he's probably worthy of being a matchup guy. Yeah, I, I don't know that do you he's, think he's a the, Rhodes Matt? Do you think he's Rhodes guy? Yes. Okay. I don't think he's quite as good as Julio Jones, but I think Agreed. he's in that conversation. He's he's maybe that next. He's probably the one B tier of wide receivers. If you're looking at wide receivers across the league, it's Julio Jones is up there. Mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham. I think Devontae Adams is right in that second tier. That's not a, it's not a full tier below. It's like the one B tier. I think that's That's where Devontae Adams is. That's fair. I can't decide if, if we're going to end up now in 2019 having Rhodes shadow guys consistently. If we're going to see that sometimes two years ago, he was, but two years ago, he was marvelous. And that was completely different. So I can't decide if that's going to become the norm throughout 2019, uh, if that's going to be something that they do on occasion in specific matchups with, or if they just take guys like Jones and say, if, if you, to your point, if you're in that 1A tier, we'll do that. But if you're not, we trust Trey Waynes enough. So I'm curious what, what direction that 
Zimmer's philosophy on matchups against top-notch receivers, which direction that goes, and if that's across the board, or if they essentially say there's five, there's four or five guys on our schedule that we absolutely fear, and beyond that, the matchup will be the matchup. I think that guys in the 1B tier are worth being shadowed. Maybe when you get to that second tier, they're not, but the, the 1A and the 1B tier, I think, certainly are worth being shadowed by Xavier Rhodes. How much do you trust Trey Waynes? That's a good question because I don't because know. Because he's not I, a bad football no, player. No, he's not a bad That's football player. That's the one player. thing he, about he's, it. I also have my, my trust issues with Xavier Rhodes because you so can't trust I. him to stay healthy. Yep. I trust Xavier Rhodes a little bit more than I trust Trey Waynes, but I don't, I, have, I don't trust him to cover Devontae Adams well. I trust him with every other receiver on that roster. Mm-hmm. I trust him with uh, Marquez Valdez-Gantling. I trust him with Equinemius St. Brown. I trust him with those By guys. By the way, is there any team with a list of receivers on their depth chart with names that take more work? That's a good question. Like you know. just blew through two names, and by the way, congratulations! Poor question. Very, there you go. You did a very yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I got him right. Now you got him right, and you did great. But you also worked in the Wisconsin area in 2018. But it's just hilarious to me that they've got these guys in the Devonte Adams is a walk in the park. Yeah, absolute walk in the park. So here is uh, here is Zim on preparing for Aaron Rodgers. You have to be careful when you're the way you rush him because you know he has the mobility to get out, and when he gets out, a lot of bad things can happen. And so you know we have to be guarded in our rush. We have to understand the rush, rush plan, how we're going to do it, and what we're going to do. It's it's not just lay your ears back and and go uh, with him because he's he's too dangerous when he gets out of the pocket. So we have to try to maintain our lanes, uh, and then we have to be tight on coverage. You know, he's very, very good at getting the ball quickly out of his hands, getting it in the seams. He's got, you know, he's got a great arm, and he sees things very well. So, you know, he's doing a lot of checking at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, we're going to have to play really, really good. Every quarterback's a litmus test for me. So, you know, it just, they're all different. You know, you try to do the best you can to play to your strengths, and hopefully you can, you know, win a few of them. I do love the fact that that man in press conferences, I think, lets out that sort of sigh about every answer. Oh, yeah. And especially quarterbacks. It's great. It's great. Oh, we got it. Yeah. What do you think? It's hell. And he's had success against A-Raj. More than He's more had than some most. success. More that's, than most. That's not, the a thing. Lot of, not a lot of coaches can say that. He's done a good job. But they're going to have to. So so what are you in, in this game on Sunday? What's your feeling about the absolute key here because we got into the discussion on the Wednesday event line that you definitely don't want to go down the path that you attempted to last year which is you get behind turns into a shootout which by the way you did come back to tie now it was a comedy of missed field goals really on both parts including yeah. including the three eventually by Daniel Carlson that cost him his job and he's now in Oakland doing a nice job but the starting point here does have to be that that one even with the Green Bay offense being changed now with Lafleur being there, that you need to go in there and get off to a much stronger defensive start than you did last year. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up. You can't allow this offense in Green Bay to get off to a fast start. That's how they're going to be able to find momentum and find their footing a little bit because they didn't have it against Chicago. And while I do believe right now that Chicago is a little bit better of a defense than you, if you're the Vikings, you're in that conversation. Don't let them get off to a fast start. Don't let them find momentum. Don't let them start to feel good about themselves. All right, week one was a fluke. 
we're back to being the offense we know we can be. Mm-hmm. Let them find that week three against whoever they play. Don't let that be against you if you're the Vikings. Make sure that they are off to a slow start. Make sure that they're struggling in that first half and that they're really, if they do have a couple scoring drives, that they're really having to work for every inch that they're getting because if they're not, I feel like that's going to change the complexion of this game. And I actually would fear the the, um, the totality of the Packer offense a lot more the second time I play them, which is, I believe, a primetime game uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium. But that's the point in time where if they're going to have their act together completely, because you got to assume, just unfairness to, to the process, and this is not to say that, that Rodgers could not come out and have a fantastic game, because he, he certainly could. Very possible. He certainly could. But the learning curve, the process, how long this takes to actually adapt and adjust, probably, especially since guys don't play in exhibition games now, is probably going to take three, if not four games. Yeah. I, so I you think... should you should have much more of a chance defensively to ha- have the Packers at least be unpolished as possible still. I think it's a great thing for the Vikings that they're catching the Packers when they're catching them. If if you couldn't get him week one, week two is the next best thing. Because sooner or later, this offense, Aaron Rodgers is just too good, and Devontae Adams too. They're just too good to not find it at some point. You hope it's not against you. You hope it's the week after you. You you hope that you can contain them the second time around too. But getting one of these matchups out of the way before they really have a feel for what they're doing is is a blessing for the Vikings as a defense. Here, here's what actually uh, caught me off guard a little bit about the schedule and surprised me. This is the second consecutive year in which you're getting the you're playing the Packers in week two in Green Bay. Ordinarily, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a little bit more of a you get a week two game in Green Bay in 2018, then it might be then you might flip flop in 2019. And so so you are, as far as conditions go, getting a nice break here too. Because you're not going to play in the cold, you're not going to play in the snow, you're not going to have the wind, or you shouldn't. Week two back to back in Green Bay, if I'm the Vikings, I absolutely love. Yeah, get, I get it cleared out now. Yeah, well, it's still nice, and you don't have to worry about the weather. I I think the last time they played a cold weather game was the end of the 2015 season. It was like January 3rd, 2016. The road Ro game was co- when when Rhodes when Rhodes and company uh, didn't go through with uh, Zim's request that I think it was Rhodes was supposed to shadow Jordy Nelson. I think that was the last game I want to say that they played in December at Green Bay possibly. That was January. Jan- okay, that was that was a miserable day. They won that one. Vikings did? 20 to 13. Well, they weren't happy about it. They were very dissatisfied with the fact that their defensive players didn't follow through with their coach's request. All right, flip side question for you. Vikings wise, mm-hmm. what player did you not see, and this might not have even be, uh, been because of a bad game. It might have been because of the of the game plan itself. What player on Sunday against the Falcons did you not see emerge, either because of play or usage, that in Week 2 you think is going to need to emerge? I think it. you, you can name any number of players on the offensive side of the ball here because of the way that the game plan was set up and because of the way that... The score dictated play calling, but I think that you can look at Stefan Diggs and say, we need to see more from him. And it wasn't his fault that they didn't see a lot from him. He was a little banged up with that hamstring. He's off the injury report now. So you would have to think he's at least closer to 100%. I think that they're going to have to throw the ball more this week than they did last week. So I think that we not only need to see more from Stefan Diggs, but I think we will see more from Stefan Diggs too. And he caught what? He two caught passes. Two, two he was passes. targeted twice, caught and both made, passes. And made one great catch. Yeah. But that's true. 
All right, so here's the guy I'm going to, and I don't think even think this guy was targeted on Sunday against the Falcons. And, and again, this is going to be a slow process. And this is not to say that if this player does not have a great game, the Vikings are sunk. They're not. It's as much a curiosity standpoint for me, Irv Smith Jr. Yeah. Those tight ends, listen, Doxon going out, I don't think it matters. I don't think that third receiver, unless unless Diggs or Thielen is hurt and flat out cannot play, that third guy I think is going to get limited touches, limited use, BB. He's going to get targeted, who, who I believe if you look at the Falcons' box score, was targeted once and caught that pass and yeah. returned punts, and that's all fine. But I do believe that in the end, the Rudolph-Irv Smith combination is going to need to include, some, especially against good teams and teams playing well, which the Falcons definitely were not, Danny. The Irv Smith factor here is he's going to have to play a role at times. Yes. Not a major role, but a role. And I don't know... If they're trying to slow cook this, which they might be until week six or something, but he's the guy who I am really curious because if this offense is humming, let's say it's going well, and and Cook is catching the ball, running the ball, the offensive line is protecting sufficiently. Okay, so if this offense is humming, and now and now you say, okay, let's deploy the receiver combinations and and the route running tree. Thielen, obviously, incredibly important. Yeah. Diggs, absolutely the same. Mm-hmm. Rudolph, important. But I think I think the other guy, ideally, is Irv Smith, don't you? I think way more than a BB or if and when Doxon does come back and play, I think Irv Smith becomes that next guy where if you went to Kubiak and said, okay, tell me the truth here, he would say, Irv Smith is going to have to contribute for us to maximize our capabilities for the offense I want to run. I think I, in an ideal world, he's that fourth pass catcher. He's that fourth sure. pass catcher behind Diggs, behind Thielen, behind Rudolph, then Irv Smith is next. But to your point about have him having a role, it's not that he didn't have a role last week. It's that his role didn't include being targeted or, or catching passes. He played, I believe, 49% of the snaps. He was on the field for the Vikings. And so, there's some blocks, you're right. So that is a role. It's just not the role that maybe we all thought he would have right away. And maybe this week it includes something else. Maybe that the... Maybe the game plan called for something different last week. I think we all know that. We're going to see Kirk Cousins throw the ball at least 11 times this week. I'm willing to bet Kirk Cousins attempts at least 11 passes without question in my mind. I'd also bet Irv Smith is targeted on at least one of them, too. Yeah. Uh, if they, I know I'm really going out on a If they there. get away, Danny Cunningham, if they get away with uh, Kirk Cousins going out there and throwing 11 passes instead of 10... Zim will be the the elation on Zim's face. But you're right about Irv Smith. He did play. I, I shouldn't say he didn't play a role. I guess what I what I am curious about with Irv Smith Jr. is on a week-to-week basis, what does that role look like? And, and how does that role evolve? Because the one place I will give this team credit with him is it does seem like they're being very smart in yeah. saying if we give you the entire playbook in week one, we're going to sink you. Which, by the way, some teams have done. But if we give you the entire playbook right now and say, go out there and, you know, you we can count on you fully, it's going to be too much. So I like the fact that there seems to be a plan in mind here, which my guess is, ideally, 
work him in more and more and more and more. And then and then if things go perfectly, I don't know, nine games in, he's pretty much com- completely at least prepared to digest what the role is. I think you can have it earlier than nine games. I think Do you? I think four or five games in. But you have to get your feet wet. It's not only learning a new playbook. It's not only doing things that you maybe didn't do in college. You're doing it at the highest level in the world. And it's moving quickly. This isn't the SEC anymore. This isn't college football. Well, the SEC is darn near the NFL. Let's not kid ourselves. The, you're I mean, not. Those, you're not. You're those not. Those guys are incredibly well paid. Too, you're, you know? you're not facing UT Chattanooga week two, except for Manny's. Except Tennessee. my. Except my Tennessee Vols. I'm yeah. not sure my Tennessee Vols are. There's NFL a big, There's going to be a right coaching now. change there. Don't worry about it. Let's hope so. Th- there's no Tennessees on the schedule if you're the Vikings. You believe that? Well, okay, but that that's where yeah. the difference is. You're doing this. You're trying to do new things. Yep. At a higher level than you've ever done them before. It's a lot to ask. So I think that the first couple of weeks, and it goes back to your thing about really now the preseason is the month of September. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think the rookie acclimation period is too. But I think if that, coaches get that, good for them, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's my my point is if if you are going to, to say, okay, we know training camp's nice, mm-hmm. but the reality is the full speed stuff starts opening day. Yeah, nobody, no rookie get gets done with preseason game two and says, "Boy, did I get a taste of the NFL?" No, because it's not the same thing. I do think that once we get to October, mid October is when I think you can start to see Irv Smith be not the finished product, obviously, mm-hmm. but you can start to see Irv Smith be fully involved in a way that is expected for a rookie. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Our questions out there right now are: Who on the Packers beyond, of course, their quarterback? Uh, scares you the most for Sunday's game, and also what Viking player who maybe didn't really do much or emerge much on Sunday against the Falcons do you feel needs to do so on Sunday against the Packers in Green Bay? Six five one six four six eight two five five. If you can't get to a phone, you can certainly uh, tweet our program at Real D Cunningham at Jay Zolgad at Score North is the station Twitter account. We'll be back after this. Vikings event line is the show. Score North on fifteen hundred. Tweet us at Score North or call 651-646-8255. This is Vikings Vent Line. Uh, I have no interest in, in dropping back 50 times if we don't need to. I'd like to win the way we did last week if that's the way it can happen. I'll play whatever game is called, whatever game we need, and all that really matters is that we find a way at the end to win. And I'm not going to nitpick or look at any of the, the steps along the way to get there. Let's just win. Vikings Vent Line, Zolga, Danny Cunningham, Manny Hill producing Declan Goff, uh, running all of these streams at which you, you can find the show, which is where, Danny? You can find it on Twitter, Periscope, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere you watch videos, basically, you can find us. I, I have a question off that soundbite from Kirk Cousins. Of course. How many times is uh, the ideal, what is the ideal number of dropbacks per game for him? Because he said he has no interest in 50 per game. Well, that's because he was corrected by the team because he said, if I need to throw 51 or 52 sure. times on Sunday, and then somebody with, with the team said, Kirk, can I talk to you for a second? And they're like, he's like, yeah, sure, what's up? Let's talk about the win. They're like, no, let's talk about your comments. Your comments are unbecoming, untoward, and we never want to see you drop back or pass 52 times. Mm-hmm. I think the ideal time, I think you brought it up on the show a couple days ago or maybe yesterday, and I think you said it. I think you said, what, 20? Uh, 17 said, to 24. Yeah, I think that's fine. But what is his ideal one? Oh, his I, ideal 30s, one's got to be 35. 30s, yeah. It's not 50. It's 30s, though, right? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say that when you're paid like Cousins is and you've got the pride that quarterbacks do, I think you'd be hard-pressed to say, because less than 30, like let's say it's 25, mm-hmm. you are managing the football game. 
which, by the way, I think is absolutely fine. I get it if you're Tom Brady. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. I get it. But if your name's Kirk Cousins and you can go to a Super Bowl by managing the game because your coaching is so good that it allows you to do that, I think there's no shame in that. But I think if you sat down with Kirk and in um in May and were relaxed and shooting the breeze and said, Hey, what what what'd you like? I think thirty five to forty I think he I think he would say, Oh, I can handle the forties. Yeah, oh he would definitely say right? that. Well he thinks he can handle the fifties. Well, but that comment this this comment uh, I have no interest in, in dropping back 50 times if we don't need to. I'd like to win the way we did last week if that's the way it can happen. I'll play whatever game is called, whatever game we need, and all that really matters is that we find a way at the end to win. And I'm not going to nitpick or look at any of the, the steps along the way to get there. Let's just win. Yeah, he was. that strikes me as a guy who was probably told by Kubiak or Stefanski or both, why don't we not bring up 51 or 52 ever again? Because <laughs> we won that game. And plus, it doesn't. you don't need to talk about it, do you? No. Shouldn't. Like there's no need you to. Shouldn't. A quick correction here. Thanks to our guy Declan Goff. The gone rogue game by the Vikings defensive backs was a Vikings loss at Lambeau. It was uh, December 24th of 2016, 38-25. That's the one in which Rhodes was supposed to have Jordy Nelson and decided, I think along with Terrence Newman, they decided that they were not going to change things up. And then Zimmer tried to say that Rhodes got confused. But, oh, Rhodes got confused when talking to the media. Yeah, The only yeah, problem yeah, is yeah. he's really, really intelligent and smart, and he doesn't get confused. No. And so he didn't get confused at all. So... um Thanks to Declan, though, he's right. It was a Vikings loss in the second to last. It was the penultimate. There's a word for you. Penultimate right? That's what. Yeah, but then he said that. The yeah, but then and then he said and then Zim tried to say that he got nervous and he didn't. Uh, let's go back to our Twitter poll question of the day. And by the way, you can also call and uh, chime in if you want at six five one six four six eight two five five on this. Our Twitter uh, poll question of the day, Danny Cunningham, why don't you give it to us again and give us some responses? So the question of the day at Real D Cunningham: Looking at this weekend's game, which Packers player other than Aaron Rodgers? Should worry the Vikings the most. We've got a number of different responses. Uh, Braden writes in Jair Alexander, defensive back, who's been a, I believe he's in his second or third year with the with the Packers. Very good corner. Very a guy good that Zim said corner. during his Wednesday press conference, the Vikings liked when he he came out of college. It's no surprise that he liked a cornerback. Uh, Nick tweets in none of them. We are past the days of believing that team can compete with us. Ooh. We are far better. Pack finished second to last in the division. Oh, Nick's a little Nick, confident. Nick, 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 Nick. Week two. Don't don't do this to yourself. Ben tweets Hu- in. Hubris is not pretty in this case. Ben tweets in. Got to worry about these guys when you play in Green Bay, and tweets out a picture of the refereeing crew. You know, bringing up a great point. Who is our head official? I have no idea. That's a, you know, I love I love that point. And you know what? Week two, week two with new rules. He's not wrong. That's a. Ben, good tweet. Bravo, Ben. Bravo. Now, it might go both ways, but you are on the road. Makes a lot of sense. Don't forget, last year, last year, the Green Bay Packers got absolutely screwed because that that was the game in which Cousins threw the pick when Clay Matthews, in week two, landed on Cousins, and they threw the flag. And, Danny, if you go back and look at that play, I guarantee you, if that game had been played uh, in week eight instead of week two, that's an interception. That's a Packer win, yep. and Clay Matthews is not called for that. There's no chance. Clay looks, Matthews might be on the Packers still. It looks like yeah. John John Hussey. 
Is the guy? Oh, be I've the heard. Lead, I've, uh, the thank you, Manny. On Sunday, I've heard of him. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Don't who he know is. if I've he likes to either. throw flags or not. His crew, like some crews, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. But yes, that's a great point. And and just keep in mind the the refereeing can go both ways, but they could impact the game, and they did last year. We do have a uh, question in at us at Real D Cunningham at Jay Zolget at Score North. Nate Green writes in with Josh Doxson on the injured reserve with that hamstring injury. Do you see us reaching out to another receiver? Maybe Des Bryant. Well, Laquan Treadwell's still out there. He's he's a free bring him back. Uh, absolutely not. No way. No how. Right? There is no. I can't way. imagine. So. This team. Listen. And this is a compliment. The Minnesota Vikings, as far as I'm concerned, and this has probably been true for a few years now, tries to limit the chaos, right? Yes. You bring in Des Bryant. They do a good job of it. And they do a very good job of it. I'm praising them. I agree. But you bring in Des Bryant, guess who follows? ESPN. Fox Sports, right? Fox Sports 1. And Fo- I, but you don't, you don't need that. Even if Des Bryant didn't bring those things... Des Bryant is 30 years old coming off a torn Achilles. And has not played, what, he, he got picked up by the Saints. Torn Achilles, Achilles in the first practice. In practice, in it, yeah. yeah. So, no. But that's not a recipe for success. So, even if they were to pick up a wide receiver or try and go that route, Nate, I don't think that Des Bryant would be in the conversation for them, or really any team for that matter. I can't imagine he's even ready to come back, Des yeah. Bryant, right now. Because that was, was, what, November? It was late in the season. Yeah. It was I, like week, it was... I want to say week 13 or 14 because they signed him so he could be on the playoff roster. Mm-hmm. And then he tours Achilles. I saw a quote from him, I want to say a week and a half or two two weeks ago, talking about a desire to play again. But yeah, an Achilles at that age, you'd have to be. And, and if, if his name. In that position too. And it might not be fair, but if his name was not Des Bryant, you, you might just take the flyer and say, okay, come in and try it. But Des, do you really want that? Because the second he steps in there, you're going to, unless you know he's going to be good. I'm more concerned about the Achilles than I am the chaos. No, but just the whole thing. Sure. But if he was dead, but if he was a quiet and, and, you know, had never, had never caused any spectacles or the media. Yeah, let's say his name was Michael Brown and he was an okay player or he was a good player, but there was no circus. I think you might be like, okay, show up. Let's see. But. Des Bryant is going to bring along, and that's the thing is teams are always like, we don't care about distraction. No, you do care, and you should care. It causes, it can cause problems. I'm not saying that teams, and look, everyone's going to now say, but Antonio Brown, the Patriots operate in their own realm and world. Yes. You can't compare anything you do, anything your favorite team does. The Patriots aren't in your league. No, they play a different sport. And Antonio Brown, too, is also still very, very good. Oh, he's I great. Mean, yeah, Bryant, that's the other part of it. Des Bryant is already started was already starting to decline, and then he got had the Achilles. So you don't even know. But the Patriots, know, like how productive he could be for you anyway. But the Patriots bring in guys like that sometimes who are still in their prime, and sometimes not just because mm-hmm. they're the Patriots and they can. Yep. But Belichick also doesn't care, and so he'll cut you instantly. <laughs> and Belichick is he is. I don't think I'm wrong in saying this. His style is as and this is impressive. As Teflon as it gets, everything just sort of bounces off him, and he does not care. And he commands that he commands that respect from anybody that steps into that locker room. And like you said, if you don't, if you're not going to go along with what they're doing, they'll cut you without any hesitation. Kirk Cousins on Week One pass protection. There wasn't much. There was some. 
again, a small sample size. You know, there were a couple that, that you didn't like that you that said, hey, that's not good. And then a, a bunch of others where I stood back there real clean. I think the one that jumps out was the, the long completion to Stefan. I think I took two hitches and uh, had a lot of space around me. So that was a great thing to see. And, you know, you saw what can happen when you have that. You know, it was a great play to Digsy. So hopefully we can get more of that. But you watch games around the league and you just see that pockets are, are violent. They're, uh, they're, they're loud. They're noisy. And um, you have to be able to operate in, in the difficult ones, which was what uh, uh, was that touchdown pass to Adam. You know, that one was a little bit louder. And, and you still got to find a way to make those plays. Loud pockets, boys. So th- that was Cousins on his pass protection on Sunday when he threw 10 passes against the Falcons. Alex Boone, a couple days ago on Purple Daily with um, Collar and Cronin, was asked about the play of Garrett Bradbury, mm-hmm. the rookie center who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, according to the PFF grades in pass protection, scored a zero. Yeah, that's bad. Now that's not good. Now it's a as the kid as as the kids like to say, Danny, small sample size. But nonetheless, it's bad. And here is Alex Boone talking about the job that he felt Garrett Bradbury did at center in his first NFL game. When you're in somebody's grill and you're going to hit them really hard and you're going to start throwing your hands into people's face and doing whatever you got to do to kind of set the tone, like, hey, I know I'm a rookie and I know I'm smaller than everybody out here, but I don't play these games. And I think that that's the one thing I wanted to see and I didn't. And I'm not saying I'm down about it. I think he played okay. He's a rookie. He's young. That's a good team at the end of the day. It's still a a win in his column. Next week coming out, I want to see more violence from him. I want to see him attack more people. I want to see him going after more people. I don't want to see him standing up and kind of getting pushed around. Go be in this fight. I got one name for you, and that's why I said it before. Kenny Clark. This is going to be... This one is going to be very intriguing, yeah. Because Kenny Kenny Clark is going to and and Bradbury might be fine, might not. I don't know, but this this is probably going to be the Falcons aren't bad interior wise, and in fact they're pretty good when they're playing well, which they weren't on Sunday. This one is going to be where we find out, and if Elfline can't play or Elfline plays poorly again. This this also gets to be where the interior could of that line, the Vikings line, gets exposed. Yeah, that this is going to be a big test for for the offensive line for the Vikings. It's going to be it's we're going to find out about a lot about this team because the, the Green Bay Packers front sevens no it's not what it was last year. They're not old, they're not washed up, they're good now. And we learned that week one against the Bears because while Aaron Rodgers didn't have a ton of time to throw, neither did Mitchell Ponder in Chicago. Can you give the guy a break on Mitchell Ponder for a couple weeks? No. And also, Chad tweets in, John Hussey and his crew did the Monday night game, Saints-Texans. Oh, boy. Okay, we might be in trouble here. Mm. There was the miss, uh, so they they screwed up the runoff at the end of the first half Mm -hmm. in that game. Although it was not their fault. That your guy Romeo Cornell decided to have, guy. to have hey he coached your Browns he didn't Why coach is he here because he coached your Browns <laughs> doesn't make him my guy that that the it was not the officials' fault that the uh, Texans decided to have their receivers not press the Saints or their corners defensive backs press the Saints re- receivers on, on the play with what six seconds left before the field goal but uh, yeah they didn't. Uh, I believe that the league had to apologize and, and or uh, clarify that uh, John Hussey's crew had screwed that up. So that might not be a good start. I just, I want to see, I'm convinced, and for the Vikings' uh, sake, I hope this does not impact them, but I'm convinced within the first month there, we are going to see that uh, PI challenge put to the test and somebody's going to go too far. Yeah, like I like think some so crew's going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, that's close. He touched him. He touched him. Let's call it. 
And th- which is why I wish everyone had just come out and said it's got to be an egregious. It has to be Saints Rams. If it's not, do not even bother challenging it. Were there any that were overturned this past week? I didn't see any. I don't recall any. Manny, do you know off the top of your head? I'm not sure. I don't recall any being overturned. Because hmm. Zim Maybe tried one or two. I don't know. Zim tried yeah. on the uh, Wayne's one. Mm-hmm. That was a bad. Challenge. Oh, and we also found. But but you know what? Lesson learned there. Important lesson, very instructive. So Zim said post-game, I was looking at the scoreboard, and, and the scoreboard, which, by the way, does not have the TV shots, it's got their own shots, Yeah, had one from basically, I believe he said, from behind the play, at which he felt the call was not the correct call, which was a PI on Waynes. But Zimmer said I, he also f- found out, because this was not a big, um, a big TV game, that Fox had... Fewer cameras than you would for a national telecast, you know, your game of the week telecast. Sure. And so because of that, the the uh, the crew that examined it, including the people in New York, did not have the review capabilities of the play that he saw. That's the other thing, too, that coaches and replay your, your guy who, who says challenge it or not has to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. How many cameras are here? Because if you look at Zim's problem is he looks at the scoreboard and I think at times throws that challenge flag. Yeah, but you can't do that. No, you've got to trust if it's other Atlanta, people on that. Well, but if it's but also the, the person upstairs has to say, Mike, I'm looking at the TV replays. Yep, I am not looking because if you are, if you've got a camera they don't have, it's not like the officials step away from their replay and say, Hey, but look up on the scoreboard. They don't. So no challenge unless again unless it's egregious. No challenge should ever be made off of a close call that you see on that scoreboard because that scoreboard replay might not be the same one. Yeah, exactly. You have to trust the people upstairs. Yes, but those people have to then say, Mike, plays. don't look. Mike, never look at that scoreboard. Don't look and throw the flag based on based on that scoreboard. It's fine to get an idea, but you should never challenge it off what you see on the jumbotron. Challenging place should not be the head coach's decision. The head coach is the one that throws the flag. But I agree just, with that, but it should be the decision made by someone upstairs. Uh, it shouldn't be. Yeah. It should not be Zim's decision. Just like in baseball, Rocco Baldelli's not the one that decides to challenge everything. They've got someone upstairs that looks at these things. Downstairs, right? Sure, somewhere else. Clubhouse guy. But yeah, he he waits and waits. And, and yes, it's a it's a long process that I don't necessarily enjoy. But mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. But when Mike sees a play that's close, it's fine It's fine to say, I think we should challenge that. But if you then throw that flag based on that, it's dangerous. Because unless it's a national game and you've got TV cameras throughout that stadium or building, there's a very good chance that the replay officials and the ref who go back to examine it are not going to be looking at the same play. Yep. Uh, 651-646-8255, Viking Vent Line is the show. Hi, Tyler. How are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. So want to talk to you a little bit about the interior offensive line. We got Elf Line is on the injury reports. We kind of glossed over this as an issue in the offseason because they did draft somebody early. Um, but now it's kind of looking like they might be the weak spot in the offensive line. And with what they have to go up against with their schedule and the players who will be lining up across from them, how concerned are you for the interior offensive line going forward? Not just this week, but like maybe long term as well. I think it's something you do have to look at a game a game at a time, Tyler. And thank you for the call. But it's a concern this week because this Green Bay defensive line is no joke. Kenny no. Clark's the real deal, and Garrett Bradbury. I'm sorry, you had a rough week one. It's not getting easier this week. 
And then in two weeks when Chicago, when you're in Chicago, it doesn't get easier then. These are these are tough matchups for a rookie. You've got a lot of tough games. You have a Fletcher Cox is coming to town too. Yes, you have a lot of difficult things to deal with early in your career. It's it's time to put up or shut up, and it's early on for you. Here, here's what concerns me. According to Collar as well, Elfline at left guard on film did not look good. No. Elfline as a rookie at center, I thought, was impressive. But he, he got hurt in the NFC title game and then had two surgeries. What, a shoulder and something? Ankle. A, ankle. He broke, in fact, he broke Fractured the ankle, ankle against the Eagles. Yep. And so he... He came back last year coming off all of those surgeries, and he eventually played, but he did not play well. And now he's been shifted back to guard where he played for the Buckeyes, but he doesn't look comfortable or good there. So beyond Bradbury, the elf line situation, if I'm the Vikings, definitely concerns me. As it should. A lot. It should. Because I need need the infrastructure of that line with a rookie at center to be really good. Yeah. Like the infrastructure has to be good. And I've got Josh Klein, who who is coming off a bad year with the Titans. He's a veteran guy, but had a bad year with the Titans. I've got him at right guard. Elfline, who clearly, I guess, is scuffling at left guard. And a rookie at center, who I might like, but if he's got two guards, because that whole thing works in sync. And again, though, this comes back to, okay, my default is, well, if I, if I give the ball to Dalvin... I know Delvin can do something here. Yes, but this is but it, but this is this is how we get to the cousin stew of oh my gosh he's not passing as much. Do you really want to expose him? No. And, my, and my answer is no. And that goes beyond him though. That that's not even that's got nothing to do with a criticism of Kirk. That's got to do with what protects Kirk Cousins the most to put the offense. Forget him. The offense in a position to succeed, and just as importantly, keep Cousins healthy. If you're going to let Kirk throw the ball, you have to put him in a position to be successful. And him throwing the ball more than 10 times last week, maybe not more than 10 times, but more than 15 or 20 would have been setting him him and the team up for failure. And that's what the Vikings are trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily, I don't think, that they don't trust Kirk. I think it's that they don't trust some of the things around Kirk. And I think that's very fair. I do too. 651-646-8255. A segment left to go. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. The show is Viking Ventilator. Talk, discuss, hold forth, pontificate, open your big yap, your tweets, your calls. This is Vikings Vent Line. All right, score note download time. It's Manny Hill here with you. And uh, Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer had some thoughts on what the Green Bay Packers present defensively. Those guys, uh, the two Smiths and two outside linebackers are both really good players. Had a lot of pressures last week. You know, I like the safety that they drafted in the first round. Uh, the corner they took a year ago, Alexander, was a guy, another guy that we liked. Very competitive kid. So uh, I think they've, you know, they added the safety from Chicago, Amos. You know, I think they've had a lot of players. They gave a lot of different looks last week. Um, play with a lot of DBs. So, you know, we'll just have to see what they do against us. We'll see what uh, Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski have cooked up for Sunday as they uh, will uh, face off against that tough and improved Green Bay Packers defense. That's your Score North Download. Now back for one final segment of Vikings Vent Line, Judd. Thank you, sir. 651-646-8255 if you'd like to join the conversation. Uh, if you can't join the conversation but want to tweet at us, you certainly can. I'm at Jay Zolgad on Twitter. You can uh, tweet Danny Cunningham. He's at Real D Cunningham. And then uh, station account as well, which is uh, at Score North, our Twitter account. 
If you have not heard some breaking news at the start of today's show, Ian Rapport, NFL Network, reporting that Josh Doxson, yes, Josh Doxson, just obtained by the Vikings after being let go in final cuts, Danny, by uh, Washington. He has been uh, picked up, or he has been put on IR, I should say. Yes. By the Vikings, he turned up with a hamstring injury yesterday on the injury report, limited in practice. But his season, it's not finished. He could come back, but it's going to be quite a few weeks. Yeah, that's that's a bummer for them, but I don't think it necessarily changes much. This is a, a wide receiver core that wasn't used a ton week one. Josh Jackson was healthy, didn't play because I guess he doesn't have a grasp on things yet, which is understandable. You've been around for a week. It's a lot to expect. But I don't know that this necessarily changes the equation for the Vikings. I think it changes it. You're exactly right. I think it changes it zero. It's, it has no Im- impact. People, I always go back to with this regime, uh, what was it, 2016, that they picked up Michael Floyd, and people said, oh, Michael Floyd's going to come in, and he's a local kid, and he's going to play a role. And you went through the whole uh, kombucha thing in the spring, and they stuck with him, mm-hmm. and you thought to yourself, oh, man, he must really be important. And then he did basically nothing. Yep. So I think I think Doxon was picked up for to to see how he looked. I think he was picked up in case Diggs or Thielen at some point in time got hurt and couldn't play. But I also think that if he if he never plays a game here, they're going to be like, yeah, too bad. So in fact, let's play a little it's, game. It's such a low risk thing. I want to play a little game. I like games. in our remaining time here. I want to get your feeling. Are you concerned? We'll call it. Are you concerned or not? Okay. Vikings injury report, the first one that came out on Wednesday uh, before the Packers game on Sunday. I'm only going to give you the guys who were actually impacted in practice. because Hunter, So at least limited in practice? Yeah. Hunter uh, showed up with a hamstring. Griffin showed up with an elbow, but they were full participants, so you're not concerned. Okay. Pat Elfline knee did not practice. Are you concerned or no? Absolutely, I'm concerned. With the way that this offensive line looked week one in pass protection and the the limited attempts that they got, you need all the help you can get along that offensive line. Pedal flame being banged up is not a good thing for this team, and it's certainly something that should be concerning going up against, I think, a better front seven this week than you went against last week. Are you concerned? I'm concerned about the position as a whole because Elfline didn't play well. Mm -hmm. I guess my question is this. Does it worry me that that I've never seen Dakota Dozier play a game at left guard, or do I actually think the kid might step in and be good? You know what? More concerned. I'm curious. Okay. If Elfline was playing great, absolutely concerned. Yeah. The only thing I don't like is Elfline has played center. Bradbury has played exactly one game at that position, Danny. So it con- it concerns me because there's an off chance that at least schematically. And as a professional, Elfline helped Bradbury there, but I'm curious. Mackenzie Alexander did not practice what, with what has been reported by, I think, the Star Tribune as a dislocated elbow. Concerned? Absolutely. I'm very concerned there. That's a tough injury. A dislocated elbow is a, that hurts. But J. Ron Curse, the safety, stepped but in last week and played he, very well. He played well, but at some I'm point. I'm talking team-wise. Because Xavier Rhodes is going to get hurt this week. It happens every week. <laughs> You're right. You're if you're down if you're down two guys in the secondary, you're running out of bodies. You have to account the fact that Xavier Rhodes is going to be hurt each and every week because that's just the way things go here. It'll probably be when Devontae Adams makes a catch on him. Yeah, exactly. It'll He's be out of bounds too. It's mm-hmm. always out of bounds. He always goes flying out of bounds and comes up and runs across the sideline limping. And then you're going to have to figure out for at least one, if not two series, is what you're going to be able to do. And being down another defensive back is Okay, concerning. that's a good one. Great point. Okay. Optimistic or not, Mike Hughes 
cornerback with the uh, coming off the ACL, and he also tore something else we don't know yet in that knee. But Mike Hughes, cornerback, back at practice, limited that they, of course, are not declaring him out yet. Are you optimistic that Mike Hughes could step back in and contribute? Yeah, I am. I think that he can be a guy that can do something in the defensive backfield for them. Now, what is that going to be? I don't know. It's going to be a, a wait-and-see type thing. But I, I have there are reasons for optimism surrounding him, yes. Are you optimistic about him? Long-term, yes. I am predicting there is no chance he plays Sunday. Okay. I think it's going to be... I, I think the only reason why they didn't leave him on the pup going into the season is if you're on the pup to start the season, it's mandatory that you miss six weeks. Yeah. And I think he's going to be set before then. I think there is no chance he plays. All right, Vikings vent line, we're done. We'll be back at 11 tomorrow. It's uh, Glenn Perkins on baseball next with Mackie and Wetmore. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. It's the all-new Score North on 1500. Talk to you later.